This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we'll be interviewing Jen Katzoff. Jen is a marketing director at Wilson Properties, a commercial real estate syndication company, as well as the host for Baycom, one of the largest and most respected meetups in the Bay Area. Her journey to get here was definitely not linear, and she had to create her own opportunities. She's an amazing individual, and I think we all have a lot to learn from her. Here's Jen. So yeah, go ahead and introduce mm-hmm. yourself. Tell everybody like who you are and what's your background. Yeah, so I'm Jennifer, and my background is I got my bachelor's in fine art painting specifically. And uh, actually, this is a, one of my paintings back here. Nice. Um, I ended up doing multi-level sales for about two years. And I didn't find a job in art that I really loved. And I you know, didn't go become a painter. So in that process, I learned how to hire, build teams, sell, take no's at face value. And um, from there, I met an art dealer who I partnered with to start an online art auctioneer in Beverly Hills. So that was really great because I got to apply everything that I learned about starting a business and growing a team from the ground up. And I also learned how to flip paintings, the whole process of working with investors, um, buying and selling at auction. The paintings were probably in the ten dollars to $50,000 price point. So similar to the price points that we work with now at my current investment company. And... Uh, from there, I saw a really shiny Instagram ad that had Robert Kiyosaki's face on it. And it said something like, make a lot of money with no money down or nice. make a lot of money with other people's money. And I had read Robert Kiyosaki's purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I was in the multi-level sales business. And um, I took action. I paid the, what was it, $40,000 to do the long program on credit cards that I just opened to afford the course and my credit score dropped 200 points that month and i uh i was two feet in i had no choice but to make it back and one deal could have made it back that never happened <laughs> yes but in the process but in the process you know it was really great because i was forced to be so in action and eventually got to the point where i could not afford living on my own anymore i did have a lot of relationships built in that process. So I ended up moving back home with my mom two years ago and she lives in the Bay Area. So that's why I'm back here in the Bay Area. And um, I started working for an investor, which um, we'll get into a little later. And I just really got to use the connections that I built and the kept the attitude, kept the drive and all the things that I learned about real estate in the process. So none of that was wasted. That's true. Yeah, one thing I like a lot about real estate investing is it's a very positive environment. People Mm -hmm. are very nice and they are willing to share and help out other people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so even if you're down today, it's okay. Because again, like you said, you're making so many connections and it'll just take you further on than you would ever have been if you just try to do everything by yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go ahead and talk about your path from there. You started working with a real estate investor Okay, so what happened was I was attending a real estate club run by a Homevestors franchisee, you know, the cavemen, the We Buy Ugly Homes. That's right. Okay, so 
he ran a club down in LA and he also had an office up in Concord. So I was commuting from, if you're from the Bay Area, from Cupertino to Concord every day to go look at properties in Lodi and in Sacramento. And it was, um, it was a, a stepping stone for me to get in. And also it just, I was probably there max two weeks. Um, I did end up taking a deal to the Sacramento Real Estate Club run by David Granzella, if anyone knows him. And he said, oh, you're all the way down in Cupertino. I know a guy 20 minutes down your street named Tom Wilson that I can introduce you to. He may be hiring. And so I called Tom and uh, he said at first that he wasn't looking for someone or if he were to hire someone, he'd want someone with more experience. Um, and then he hired me as his temporary admin slash assistant. So I got my foot in the door two months as a temp. I was like, all right, great. So two months into the job, because I worked with virtual assistants before I ended up hiring a virtual assistant about two weeks in, he's still with us and he's awesome. And, uh, I took over a lot of the marketing, the person who was handling at the time, the company I work for now, Wilson investment properties was a turnkey rental provider. So they buy homes in Dallas and rehab them, put a tenant in them, and then sell it turnkey to an investor, mostly in the Bay Area. And the person who was handling that was also stepping down from her position to take another position. So I actually ended up being accountable for that whole part of our company. At the same time, Tom was also transitioning into syndicating commercial real estate full-time. So raising money from Bay area investors to purchase commercial properties in the Bay area and all also all over the nation. So I was there during the transition period when we switched full-time into syndications, I saw, you know, sales is where it's really at. And uh, also where the, for me, financial opportunity is, and I have no problem making phone calls and, you know, getting no's and, I asked Tom, um, uh, will you train me in selling shares of syndications, raising money for the, for the deals? And he said something like, um, maybe in a year, you're still very new and not familiar with commercial real estate. So I was like, okay, challenge accepted. I started a marketing campaign for Chinese investors. Chinese people love real estate. There's a lot of them in the Bay Area. And I speak Chinese and no one else in the company does. <laughs> so I did this marketing campaign on the radio and on the newspaper. And I started getting people inquiring in Chinese. And so I went back to Tom and I said, you got to train me A to Z how this works, because I'm the only person that these people can communicate with. Um, and that's kind of how I created some momentum. <laughs> Thank Congratulations. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You created your own opportunity. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, looking at opportunities where I could really add value because in the end it was a win-win situation. That's right. We tapped into a market that our company normally wouldn't have tapped into. How did you make the advertisement? Um, I requested money <laughs> from the company. Sure. I just, yeah, I reached out to the Chinese media. I used um, Sound of Hope Chinese radio station and also the Epoch Times and I, I mean, gave him a proposal. Did you, were you the one who was on the, you know, making a recording and then that got yeah. passed your, So it's your if voice you out hear, there. If you want to hear <laughs> me speak Chinese about real estate, I can send you the links later. But yeah, I, awesome. yeah. 
I didn't I know had that. to do extensive training to do those interviews. <laughs> sure. I'm sure like, and they're probably asking you on the radio too, like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And then you have to answer them in China. Because honestly, I'm born here at ABC as well. Me too, yeah. And my Chinese isn't good enough to speak, like to talk business. I can talk like a third grader. I can tell, hey, I want this yeah. to eat. I want to go to the bathroom. But <laughs> yeah. How you talk about, oh, syndications and, you know, blah, 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 money and ROI. Yeah. So what happened is um, during that time, I also signed myself up for a real estate license course uh -huh. for people who just immigrated here from China. So I was doing the principles, the classes every weekend for the principles of real estate in Chinese. Wow. Like, yeah. I took that so course could... in English. Yes. Yeah. You took it in Chinese. Yeah. I mean, it was learning the English and Chinese words at the same time nice. from scratch. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So are you pretty proficient in writing Chinese as well? Reading and writing? I can type. That's that's pretty good. I yeah, personally can't even... I've forgotten. At least you know. <laughs> At least you know. I'm like illiterate, you know. So going once upon a time. Yeah. And uh I'm actually trying to take classes because I know how important it is to deal with Chinese clients, especially because mm -hmm. they're big buyers here in the United States, especially here in California. Yeah. And it's interesting, I didn't know that Tom Wilson's group you guys just started doing syndications. It seems like you guys have always been doing big syndications. It's been four years that we've been doing them. We're just starting to exit this year, which is really exciting. Um, we switched two years ago full-time to that business model. Got it. But before it was a hybrid of rental homes and syndications. So do you want to talk a little bit about the homes, how you guys rehab them, and like what are buyers looking for for those kind of deals? And then we can move on to syndications later. Um, hmm. I can tell you why we switched since sure, right please. now I'm not very in tune with what's going on, but our primary market for rental homes was Dallas. Mm -hmm. And we have a rule called the 1% rent ratio where monthly rent equals 1% of the value of the property. Mm -hmm. So if we're buying a rental home for a hundred K, it better rent for at least a thousand dollars a month for you Bay area people. It sounds <laughs> yeah. like really high, but in Dallas, they were all over the place. Dallas obviously got discovered by a lot of investors and it just really heated up. We weren't finding those numbers anymore. We started uh, looking in Houston after the hurricanes, especially there were some things on sale, but in general, we were just putting in a lot of overhead into finding few deals at low price points and syndications just became way more financially viable for our company. And the really great thing about commercial real estate is that, there's so many sub assets within commercial. There's office and retail and multifamily and industrial and assisted living and hospitality. And so it's not, they all have different market cycles. And there's also big shifts between A class, B class, C class, primary, secondary, and tertiary market. And you're dealing with investors, really. You have a few owner occupied commercial owners. But with residential, you're largely dealing with um, the emotions of the general public yep. that affect prices and things like that. It was commercial. So people are willing to overpay. Based. Exactly. So people are willing to overpay. You're also competing with owner occupants who are willing to pay a premium for their the home they live in. You know. That's right. So can you talk about how you guys are getting deals? Yeah. So our business model is we are more of the client relations arm and we always partner with a broker dealer who is an expert in that local market, in that asset class. 
And uh, oftentimes they also own a property management company that oversees the property. I see. So to put it in simple words, uh, is that broker dealer also going to be the principal? Like they're going to help buy it and Mm -hmm. be partners with you guys? That's correct. Got it. Okay. So they're basically buying it for themselves. And then you guys are like, hey, we have money from the Bay Area. We can help fund your deal. And then together we own this asset and et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Yeah. And it's not just we partner with anyone, but we have a very strict due diligence process as well when choosing a partner. But our way of partnering with people is number one, the character and integrity and track record of the partner, and then whatever deals that they have in their pocket. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And you said those guys also probably have their own property management company too. So everything mm-hmm. is like streamlined and really efficient. Yeah. There are times where we've hired a third party property manager, mm-hmm. you know, whatever works. Sure. Different situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you go over what a typical deal looks like which, for what you've seen so far? Yeah. So depending on the market cycle, like two years ago, we were buying a lot of single tenant industrial um, before all of the institutional money discovered industrial as the darling asset class, right? Right now, it's actually really interesting. We Multifamily still has historically low cap rates, but we found a, a source to partner with who's providing us with really, really awesome multifamily properties. So how a typical deal looks, we find that most of our investors want cash flow. So I'll talk about those first. Um, our deals range from five to usually 25 million. We've done as large as 50, 60, 70 million. Um, and we try to go for primary markets, if not secondary, depending on the asset class. Some are more sensitive. For example, industrial would not be as sensitive to you know, being in a tertiary market as long as they're accessible to highways and transportation, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas multifamily or office or retail is very location dependent. Um, we do pay a preferred return, which means that investors are guaranteed to make this much return um, as long as we have the free cash flow to support it. And we usually pay a preferred return of 8% annual. Um, we try to double investors' money in five years. Nice. Now, if it's a development deal, then the timeline could be as short as two or three years, right? And you're gone. So it, it really depends. Okay, very cool. So yeah, you, you said before you're looking at industrial. Now, are you guys more leaning towards multifamily or anything? That pops We're always up? looking at everything. We have a retail deal coming up. Um, we are fortunate enough to have multifamily deals in our pocket, yes. Um, but we look every at everything. Okay, and your goal is to double their money in five years? And includes if a cash, it's a cash flow. flow deal, yes. Gotcha. If it's a stabilized deal, then we double their money in five years. If it's a higher risk deal, like a heavy value add or a development deal, the timeline could be shorter, but often there's zero to little income during the whole period. And again, that two years you expect to double their money or is different? It it depends on a deal to deal basis, but we do have a track record uh, tab on our website where you could see all of the deals that we've done. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the debt structure that you guys use to acquire the property? Like, do you know that? How much do you put down? What kind of loans do you guys get, et cetera? Yeah, it it depends. Everyone's different. Like for multifamily, we go for the Fannie loans, right? Um, Right now they're offering interest only for the first five or seven years, which is really attractive. Nice. Um, 
otherwise we use we try to go with local lenders a big risk for us like one of our biggest skin in the game see people think that uh co-sponsor what do they call it when a sponsor invests alongside an, an investor where the sponsor puts in money is indicative of how much risk they're willing to take on one of our biggest risks is that we sign on the loan and oftentimes they're recourse loans some asset classes have better loans like multifamily almost always non-recourse um depending on the size of the property you know our single tenant industrials little deals like nobody was giving non-recourse debt on those and so every single property that we have to have a principal sign on the loan with recourse that's actually the biggest skin in the game that we have sure that's scary. um yeah it is it is and so right now um we're we're being more conservative in terms of debt just because we're anticipating you know the market tipping well, we're gonna knock on wood there hope not <laughs> yeah so we'll go you know 60 ltv okay on the loans. Mm -hmm. uh when you say a single tenant industrial and it's small it's not like that small right it's still maybe three five million dollars yeah small by <laughs> it's all relative it's, it's small all relative. For our portfolio yeah so so tom's out there signing five million dollar loans that he's personally guaranteeing and larger and yeah. larger awesome like, awesome a couple times a year <laughs> no fear i guess you know if you have enough confidence and the numbers work yeah you you sign it because yeah. it makes sense yeah that's amazing yeah okay another thing i want to talk about is your huge meetup group, Baycom. Yes. Baycom, honestly, it's probably the most impressive meetup group I've seen because you guys started, you know, less, uh, just over a year ago, and it's already blown up to one of the most respected and largest groups out there. So do you want to talk about how did yeah. you decide to form it? How did you organize everything? I would love to. Yeah. So let's see. It will actually be the one-year anniversary on the 25th. That was our first meeting, January 25th, 2018. Congratulations. I know. I'm really excited. So how it started was I went to a conference led by a man named Greg Pinio, and he said something during that conference, like, if you're able, you're obligated. And it really struck a chord for me because I'd been very actively attending all of the real estate investment clubs, and they focus heavily on investing in rental homes, private lending, maybe multifamily investing, but there isn't really any access to education about commercial real estate. Now there are groups that educate about commercial real estate like CCIM, but they're more catered for already seasoned investors and brokers. And the general public just does not see commercial real estate as accessible. It's the territory of institutions. I have to start small in real estate investing with a rental home and work up to a duplex and then maybe acquire larger multifamily and then maybe someday, one day, work up to another commercial asset class. So the club dispels this myth because they can get access to all of the benefits, really, that commercial has to offer. Like I said earlier, you're dealing with investors, right? Mm -hmm. You're not dealing with people and emotions. Your tenants are signing 5, 10, 20 year leases. They're these companies that have financials and, you know, you could really do some thorough due diligence that you wouldn't be able to do on um, with individuals and their emotions. <laughs> and um, 
when they're triple net lease, for example, they're just really low maintenance, um, higher economies of scale, just higher returns, less people are playing in that field, especially depending on what price range you're in. Mm -hmm. Like the price range we're playing in, too small for the institutions, too high for the individual. So it's perfect because there's a lot of um, less competition in that price range. So, so being working at a commercial syndication company, like I see the direct need that people need to know that this is accessible to them. And it's not the scary thing, but you do need education and you need the network to get you started in investing in commercial. Um, my first real estate investment was a triple net lease industrial property hey. through syndication. Nice. Right. I saw that I can't wait around for someone to create this thing that people need like, mm. to create it for the community. And that it's up to me to get it started if this is what I see possible for the investment community. So I was like, okay, I don't need to be the expert. I know a lot of experts in real estate. I can connect experts and beginners alike. When I was in multi-level sales, I was actually <laughs> doing roadshow sales. I was like a live QVC. Nice. So like, yeah, so like logistics, um, event planning, public speaking, I got it handled, you know? I got meetup.com on my side and first meeting, I got the speakers. I did some marketing and 150 people show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other things I want to say about starting Baycom too was I participate in a personal development course called Landmark. And in, in that course, I, um, I saw that I had a limiting belief around making a difference in my industry for real estate that industry has always been like a good old boys club i'm a 20 i was 24 at the time you know asian girl and i thought i needed to have x track record x number of years of experience x network i had to have all my ducks in a row before i could make a difference or be heard in my community mm -hmm. and in that course I got really clear that success isn't something that exists out there in the future. Rather, it's a way of being. Like if I am being successful right now, what would I create? And so coming from there, I that's what really had me get in action. I love that attitude. And it's so true. Why do you have to wait until you have all these things and then you can talk about it? You could just do it right now. Yeah, and you know what's funny is in the process, I built my network, I built my credibility, I built my confidence, and I was impacting people. <laughs> it wasn't the other way around. That's right. That's yeah. right. Great. And it seems like the MLM, right, is a multi-level marketing thing you were doing before, but it yeah. actually taught you a lot of good skills, like oh, how tons. to reject or how to deal with rejection, how to do event planning. And because look, personally, I'm scared because I have never done these things before. And so <laughs> not have to deal with it, it's, it's a challenge. Sure. Yeah, it's all about building a team around you because individually, you can only do as much as you can do. That's right. And it's just so important to have a team, especially if I want to have a life too, and empower their leadership and, and have them see what my vision is. I declared from the front of the stage at my last meeting that I want Baycom to be the TED Talks of commercial real estate where we have such high quality content and speakers and audience that people are lining up to come to one of these things. And, and the 
Yeah. And they are. And the video, you know, recordings of it are being watched by people all over the world wanting to learn about investing commercial real estate in America or whatever it is. And when I declared that from the front of the stage, I got approached by one of my attendees who shared that vision. He said, Jen, what you're creating right now could be bigger than bigger pockets. Oh, yeah. And I was like, whoa, like I was so knocked back that this guy saw the club as bigger than you know, what I was, or as big as what I was envisioning it. And he's right now my partner in the marketing. So awesome. I see it. Yeah. No, because look, I've been on bigger pockets. I'm sure almost everyone who listens to my show has as well. Bigger mm-hmm. pockets is good, but for a small group of people, especially if you're starting out, that's honestly where I see bigger pockets as. Baycom is more of that intermediate to expert level where you already had mm-hmm. enough experience, but now you want to get to that next level where the big deals are. You want to be part of something bigger than just, you know, out of state investing or single family flipping. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely see that. It can also complement bigger pockets. I don't have to be a competitor either. That's you right. Know? Like when you when you're done with bigger pockets, then you move on to Baycon. <laughs> like it's like leveling up, you know? You can still have both. <laughs> I'm so, flattered. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, you know, I'm personally trying to have a meetup group as well. And mm-hmm. I'm interested in knowing how did you grow it? Like, how did you make Baycom such a big club right from the get-go where you're yeah. consistently having like 100 people come through to, you know, attend your presentations? And then how are you attracting these great speakers to come talk to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Marketing, I honestly think meetup.com does a lot of the legwork. It is such a great lead source for people to just find out about it and show up. I would also say that working for Wilson Investment Properties, so first of all, the relationship between Baycom is that Wilson Investment Properties sponsors it. Mm -hmm. And so we share about Baycom events to the Wilson database, and we get a lot of people from there. Last year, when I had that big event where the chief economist of Fannie Mae came out to speak, what I did was I got a bunch of other real estate professionals. You know, I offered them, if you would like to have a booth and not pay for it and sponsor the event, invite 25 people to sign up and you get a free booth. So I had my event on, I don't know, like 30 people's databases And people all over the community came together and shared and found out about what this was. So I would really say leverage other people's databases if you haven't been building yours up. Mm -hmm. So can you go over that again? You're saying you have a booth in your meetup for some other person's company and they don't have to pay for it as long as they bring in 25 people. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's smart. See, you're right. Leverage other people's networks so that you don't have to do all the work yourself. As long as they win something from it, yeah, we do too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And how about, and, oh, go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, regarding your comment about different levels too of sure. attendees, my mission is that this is for people of all experience levels to get access to commercial real estate. So I sent out a survey in at the end of the year and I'm taking the feedback. Some people, you know, they're at various experience levels and some of them just don't feel... Um, cater to. And so what I'm creating in January, I'm going to test this out, is during the networking break, I'm going to have breakout groups based off of topic. And it's going to be a longer break where 
if you're looking to transition from rental homes into investing in commercial, go talk to person A. If you want to learn commercial real estate, the basics, go talk to person B. If you want to learn how to syndicate, go talk to person C who's been syndicating. Mm -hmm. And just each person gets a customized experience depending on their experience level. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. You know, because, you know, I've gone to many of your meetups before. One thing that I noticed that I'm not sure, if, you know, what to do about it, but um, there are some times when people speak and they are saying things that are su at such a high level that I have no idea how to even do it. Like, for example, a couple mm -hmm. months ago, we had a guest who talked about land development deals. And I was, oh, sitting, there, yeah, I was sitting there watching like, wow, that's awesome. Like, you buy land and then you subdivide all the lots and you can sell each individual home and you make a bunch of profit. And I'm like, yeah. great. But then I go home and I think, well, I have no idea how to even start. Like, <laughs> But you have a resource at least. But I have a resource. And most importantly, though, I got inspired to see, oh, yeah. it's possible. And not just from a big, big dog. It's He's a single person. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has a team behind him, but he's, you know, not, you know, this big, like, ING or something. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, the other nice thing, so I could tailor the breakout groups to be more topic focus I mean it would be rotating topics anyway but to complement what the speaker topic is about and I think it's an also great opportunity to get regular attendees to take on more visibility and leadership and feel a direct contribution so that the experienced people who show up actually also get to feel important and valued for them being experienced that's true that's true yeah definitely yeah. if you had a breakout session that directly relies on this topic. Like, hey, yeah, he's talking about some crazy stuff, but here's how you can get started mm -hmm. in the pathway to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So how do you even get these high qualified speakers to talk at your meetup group in the first place? Uh, <laughs> so a lot of them are people who I've met through working with Tom Wilson. He has a pretty big database. Um, some of them were, one of them was actually from a Google search. So... On my third meeting, I had a girlfriend tell me, Jen, this is an amazing club, but all of your speakers have been men. And I think you should include some women. And I just did a Google search for top 10 most powerful women in commercial real estate and cold called the list. <laughs> really? And that's, that's how I had one of my speakers. Um, other speakers have been partners. Other speakers have been people I've known since before working at Wilson Investment Properties when I was really actively going to every RIA possible. And, um, you know, my, um, like Greg Pinio, for example, the, the person who's- That's right. Who sparked the beginning of this club, I invited him to speak at the club too. Um, the Summit at Sea, the Real Estate Guys radio podcast, the Real Estate Guys host an annual conference ship on a cruise boat where you have people like Robert Kiyosaki and Simon Black and Peter Schiff and all these big names show up. I've met quite a few people there as well who I've invited. Oh, nice. Yeah, big shots. Beth so, Clifford, Victor Minaj, those are all people who came from the summit. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So basically network as, with as many people as you can, get friendly, and then invite them to speak whenever their schedule allows mm -hmm. them to. Yeah, yeah, another place to look too is um, I've had CoStar come. I think I'm going to have them come once a year because it's just like a state of the union data of what's going on. And that's not hard to find, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like, a, I want this topic, and then who would be the most qualified? Right. I mean, some people are also 
like honor to come speak, right? Because they don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. that often. Or like CoStar, they get to promote their services as well. So it's like a win-win for everybody. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, what are your plans for 2019? <sighs> My plans for 2019 are to continue to so first of all my plan is to have it be financially break even at the very least right now wilson investment properties is fully sponsoring it something i deal with is how to do that and i've had a lot of pushback from my end of the year survey on charging for the club because there's just so many free resources out here that it just wouldn't be competitive and i also don't want to hurt attendance so for example i have a big stop overpaying on taxes event in February, where I had panelists, experts in all these different strategies like 1031 exchange, or Delaware deferred sales trust, monetize installment sale, 401k back C corps, and all these different strategies come and speak on all the ways people can save money. Like I did last year with the chief economist of Fannie Mae, giving a state of the union of where our economy is headed. Big events that draw a wider audience, the whole community, anyone who wants to save on taxes can come. They can be a realtor and they just want to learn how to better serve their clients and come. Mm-hmm. And I want to do these events one or two times a year, eventually adding a charity component to it, actually. But for now, having those as being big fundraisers that can financially support all the other events for the rest of the year gotcha. and having people sponsor those events um, and get some visibility for our audience. Uh, I also want to really leverage the video content this year. So I just hired a new, like I said, marketing, internet marketing. He's also going to start doing the videography at the events so that this content really gets out there. And I may make it subscription-based. It may stay free. I don't know yet. Gotcha. But I I definitely want just more people to have access to this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes and sense. And then finding a better venue. <laughs> Your venue is great. Yeah. I love it. But I okay. guess you want a bigger venue, right? To hold all the people. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> bigger so, venue, more professional looking. You know, there's random pillars in the current venue that just kind of get true. in the way of. Yeah, to like move your head a little sight. bit for line of yeah. sight. That's right. So when it comes to video content, you know, I'm so surprised. Most people's meetups, if they have video at all, is with a phone. Like record with the phone and then you just post on Facebook Live. You guys yeah. have an actual full set camera crew and everything to make it yeah. really nice. And you post on Facebook. So how much effort goes into those videos and do you guys edit it afterwards? Or Yeah, so the videos, first of all, the first four months I did try to do Facebook Live and monitor it so people could engage online. We maybe had like 10 comments or something, which is still something. Um Live streaming is, again, something I would consider so people all over the world can actively participate during these meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just logistically more work than we wanted it to be. The video crew right now produces content, and um, I have just been posting the entire meeting video, or I'll cut it up into segments. I have not been repurposing it effectively, You know, making those short, snackable social media videos or promo videos. And that's what I hired a marketing person to do. So Gotcha. Because, I mean, I'm doing that right now with these podcasts and I'm finding it yeah. to be such a pain. <laughs> it's a pain. Well, yeah. Like right now at Baycom, I am the sole organizer. I don't have people taking on roles. I have people helping me at the event with logistics, like sign up, huge help for me. But all the prep that goes into it, 
there's just me right now right. and I have a full-time job. <laughs> That's right. So I mean, you're doing this now, you're learning everything. And then in the future, if it gets big enough, and like you said, it's financially break-even, then sure, you can start hiring people to even make it uh, run more smoothly for you. Yeah, or I've negotiated an alternative compensation structure like this marketing person said to me, I believe in what you're doing and that's why I want to work with you. And I have paying clients, like pretty notable ones, like the San Jose airport. Um, and I'm willing to work with you. And so we agreed on the big flagship event. We would split the profits from sponsors and have that cover his compensation. So, you know, it's like Shark Tank. You can negotiate, okay. you can structure the deal, however works for both people. I mean, that's super smart how instead of charging your members like a monthly bleed, just have a couple of big events that cover your entire year's cost and pays out your partner too. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually I'd like a salary. <laughs> hey, you host a big enough event like that, then of course you deserve a great salary. Yeah. And I'm sure like the the value you gain from just hosting the network is already very, very good as well. Yeah, and I also want to keep it very like, educational like the pure intent of this platform is for education so i don't allow my speakers to pitch from the stage i don't host weekend events wilson investment properties even though we sponsor the event does not get to pitch what they're doing from the front of the stage if you want to talk to them you can talk to them in the back during the networking break right because mm-hmm. i like i the stage is sacred like i i don't want to lose the trust of the people yeah. and the attendance that's really that's a really good attitude like I've seen yeah. some people who like kind of sell out and then they try to push mm-hmm. products on people. And it's right. like your reputation should be good enough for you to sell. If Right. I heard that at a San Francisco Bay Summit. One guy came on stage and sold all his stuff. The next guy came up and said, anyone who tries to sell on stage is a big piece of, you know. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> your business card is Google, okay? If they Google you and it has good reviews, then that's it. You don't need to pitch it on stage. And I was like, wow, got him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Again, you have a very interesting role and you've grown so much in the past few years. How can someone be like you? <laughs> um, take action. Take action. Just take action. Just do it, right? I mean, it's funny because people, they read all day or they talk to mm-hmm. people all day and they, they kind of know what they need to do. But then for some reason, they, they don't do it. There's no magic formula like or some wisdom that's going to fall out of my mouth. <laughs> that's true. I think if you observe all the people who are up to big things in life and actually have them happen, conversations are really important because you do want people to really get your vision and get inspired by it because then you enroll people on your team, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. So your action, other people's actions. Yep. Yep. And everyone's actions is a little bit different too because everyone's trying to get to different places. But mm-hmm. the key thing is just do it, right? Yeah, just do it. Right. <laughs> so I've heard that you have a top-selling book on Amazon. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's called The One Thing That Changed Everything. And it really just talks about my journey from being an art major to where I am today as director of marketing for Wilson Investment Properties and how I went from a very proud entrepreneur, you know, thinking that I needed a do it all and be my own boss and have time and money flexibility, which never happened in the first place. But um, having that and just really being humbled to be a part of a team where I can still be very entrepreneurial, 
but having the support and the structure to make a bigger difference on more people a lot faster. And I write a chapter in that book along with people like Robert Holmes, the host of the Real Estate Guys Radio, and Kyle Wilson, who is the founder of Jim Rohn International. He's actually the person who um, created the book. And I met him, again, just through making connections. Did you, so, meet him at network the, is did you meet him at the cruise as well? Yes. I met him at the cruise two years ago. And he said he was making a book about I for, like women, millennial entrepreneurs. And I wanted to be a part of his book. And I asked him, well, how do I get it to be a part of your book? And he said something like... Um, it's full or, you know, reach out to me again in the future. It wasn't like a very serious thing, but I was very persistent. He has um, a newsletter he sends out and I just respond to a lot of his newsletters and I've just been actively engaging with him. So eventually when he said he was launching a new book, I said, well, what do you think? Can I be a part of it? And he interviewed me and said, okay, yeah. Nice. Persistence. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Persistence, <laughs> taking action, networking. Sure just doing it wow mm -hmm. great i mean like you said yeah. you aren't an entrepreneur but the thing is you have to add entrepreneur. Yet. yet you're not sure. yet well you know a simon simon black he defines entrepreneur as someone who adds value and so even if you're an employee you can still be an entrepreneur sure yeah you don't have to be your own business owner you could be your own business owner and have a job yeah. right yeah like you just work at safeway or you you sorry you own a subway but you're just doing all the work yourself and you're just exactly owning a job. You're the boss of your own job. Like, great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And by the way, that book hit number one in 16 categories in like two days. So Jeez. it was like, because a lot of the people in the book are influencers. And so by leveraging the uh, track records and influence of the people in the book, I, benefit from it. So That's leverage, right. leverage, leverage. <laughs> We're going to add a link to that in the show notes because okay, I think it's going to be very interesting for people to read that book. The really great thing about having a book that's the number one bestseller is it's your business card. It's like an upgraded business card. That's right. That's like, what we're oh, talking about with the whole going on stage and presenting yourself. Yeah. They Google you. They see, oh, this is who you are. Right. You have credibility just by having that top selling book. Exactly. Yeah. How can people get a hold of you if they want to reach you? Yeah. So I'm just going to have um, a one pager website up, jenkatsev.com, J E N K A T S E V.com. And you can message me through there. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show today. It was very enlightening. Yeah. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. So here are some of the key takeaways I got from this show. Number one thing is, you need to make your own opportunities. Jen was not offered any opportunities, and so she made her own. For example, she made the radio advertisement targeting Chinese investors. Another big quote is, if you're able, you're obligated. So if you're able to create something big today, just do it. And why wait? Just be the person and things will happen. Like Robert Kiyosaki says, be, do, have. It's cool that she wanted to switch up her meeting sessions with breakout sessions to make it more engaging. And she also wanted to have a few events that cover the entire year's costs. Another big thing is she wants to make sure that the stage is sacred. Don't sell out on stage. So many people go on stage and they try to promote their things to sell. 
But if you come from a place of love, then your product will sell itself. People will trust you and they'll work with you. Another big thing is you need to go to networking events. The cruise that she went to opened up so many connections for her. And working with the right people or working for the right people also opens up connections. And in her case, she's working for Tom Wilson. If you want to contact her later, go to her website, jenkatsev, J-E-N-K-A-T-S-E-V.com. And there should be a link in the show notes. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.